Welcome to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where you will hear the answers to many of your investment questions. The material you are about to receive is neither a solicitation nor an offer to buy or sell any securities. Please remember, all investments bear risk. Now, on to our show featuring Gregory Anderson, CEO of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Here we are with another episode of Grand Turbo MoneyCast. As always, it's just a great enjoyment to be here. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the banking industry and some of the problems that you've heard about. And uh, hopefully, we'll get a little insight about the, um, the things, the conditions that led up to where we are today in the banking industry. Um, who gets burned and who doesn't get burned? Uh, and maybe most importantly, how uh, people with money in banks can protect themselves and also how investors can protect, protect themselves because there's going to be a lot of fallout, a lot of ripple effects if, if this continues. And so we have with us today, as always, Gregory Anderson of Granderson Wealth Management Group. Hi, good, Gregory. Good morning. How are you doing today, Steve? Great. Good, good, good. I'm eager to hear about the banks which I always thought was a sure thing. Yes. But uh, apparently not. Yes, we've had a tumultuous March 2023 with what, the banks. Uh, what, what, what gives? What, what led up to this? Could you, can you give us a little bit of background? Well, I think it really comes down to interest rate environment as well as cryptocurrencies on both of these major banks uh, that actually had uh, been taken over by the FDIC. So if we're talking about uh, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, as well as Signature Bank, and um, interest rates got the best of Silicon Valley Bank, and it was cryptocurrencies with Signature Bank. So this is uh, the first time in about uh, 15 years or so that we've seen a major fallout. So SVB Bank actually represents the second largest failure, over $200 billion uh, that yeah. was resulted. Um, and it's yeah, it has a ripple effect with the economy as well. So the first one being back in 2008, 2009 environment with um, Washington Mutual, mm -hmm. uh, which okay. was about 300 billion. So uh, this was yeah, a, a significant um, impact to the economy with the Signature Bank uh, coming in at about 100 billion. Okay, so this has happened before. Yes. Um, and, and by the way, you, you brought up some interesting issues that I want to get into, which is cryptocurrencies and and uh, the interest rates and how that affected the bank's investments. Um, but uh, I want to get a little bit more background about the the banks. Uh, this has happened before. Uh, uh, how do you remember how bad it was back in two thousand eight when Washington Mutual? Absolutely. I mean, the, after two thousand eight, that's that's when we had that the, the Great Recession. Correct. Yeah. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, <clears throat> two thousand ten is really where the banks were affected. So if we go back to 1970, there's been about uh, 90 banks that have failed uh, with a with billion dollars or more. So this is a oh. this is a huge issue. So that's 90 big banks. Yeah, there have been a lot of big, little yeah. little banks yeah. that have also gone under. Yeah. I assume there were <clears throat> thousands of banks that failed during the Great Depression. 
Um, the time factor we're talking about more recently, if we're talking about the 2008, 2009, 2010, almost 400 banks failed in that time period. Okay. So we're, and so as a result, there was regulation that came about. Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Yes. The, the regulation, regulations were designed to avert this sort of situation. That's absolutely correct. And apparently did not. Well, it depends on what size of a bank you are. <laughs> so if you're a money center bank, if you're one of the major banks like a Wells Fargo or a J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Morgan Stanley, those are major banks. Mm -hmm. And their criteria as far as reserves are totally different than banks that are $250 billion in assets. And so during the last administration, there was a relief uh, from 100 million, I'm sorry, 100 billion to 250 billion in assets. They relaxed the actual uh, regulations as far as reserves. So hmm. with um, SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they were approaching that 250 billion mark, and so they didn't have the same scrutiny. So if you look at the major banks, as I mentioned before, the money center banks, they're, they're scrutinized a little bit different. Their stress tests are, are different and uh, not to the same degree as the uh, smaller banks. And, of course, with the smaller banks, their reasoning is that we're smaller. We don't have all the resources to be able to do the same kinds of measurements and uh, benchmarking that the larger banks have. And as a result, the regulator said, okay, we, we understand that. So as a result of these regional banks, uh, the smaller banks, which are less than the money center banks, that's the, one of the reasons why we, we had the issue that we have. So I'm not a proponent for huge regulation, but it also makes sense to have folks that are great managers. They understand the risk, and it's really incumbent on uh, management to make sure that the banks are safe because the banks are, are an infrastructure for our financial system. Mm -hmm. So does, that, does this mean that, uh, that clearly our government needs to uh, take another look at the regulations and d decide whether or not they want to modify some of them? I think it's a matter of just probably applying the laws, rules, regulations to all of the banks regardless of their size. Hmm. That's that's what my that's I I'm not a proponent a proponent for more regulation, legislation or rules. I'm I'm saying why not have the same rules apply to the smaller banks and obviously these regional banks which uh, are a huge part of our economy uh, <laughs> need to have a little bit more uh, oversight than what they were having at this point. I'm wondering how much of this is just a matter of survival, survival of the fittest. So is it a good thing when bad banks uh, have to close the doors? Is there some element to that at least? There is. There is. But the regional banks, they have a larger footprint usually in a specific area of the country. And we need to recognize those. But the money center banks, the larger banks, of course, are all over. And there's a need for regional banks because they're community banks more oriented toward, oh, I understand the community, I understand the community's needs, 
and we're going to serve that. Whereas maybe the larger banks may not have that same uh, mantra. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. I want to go back to something you said earlier and, and get a, a, a little more detailed explanation about two huge issues that you said contributed to the downfall of those two banks. One was the cryptocurrency market and the other one was interest rates, right? Correct. Can you explain those? With the interest rate environment that we experienced in 2022, we saw lower interest rates uh, in January, and then we saw a hyper increase in interest rates at the end of the year. So there was a gradual raise of interest rates by the Federal Reserve, which affects everybody. It affects your mortgages. It affects your the savings rate. Uh, that's on the other side. It's going to affect Uh, borrowing for a car, borrowing for a business. And as these interest rates go up, unfortunately, if you're investing in the bonds or the securities, that's what banks usually Mm -hmm. do to hold their, um, you know, so that they have the security uh, of capital. And as interest rates go up, and we've talked about this in the past with uh, in uh, previous podcasts, the value of bonds go down. So if at the beginning of the year, if you were able to maybe get 1% on a, let's say, uh, 60 or 90 day treasury, you know, the best credit in the world, and two or three months down the road, that interest rate, that same for the same time period has gone up one percentage point, you know, from 1% to 2%, mm-hmm. the value of that underlying bond that you bought earlier has actually mm-hmm. gone down in sure. value. And it just was kept on going up. And so we saw basically about 400 basis point increase or four percentage, uh, four, I should say 4% increase in interest rates uh, by the Federal Reserve and the bank suffered. Okay. So the situation yeah. with, uh, with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, they, I mean, you would think they're not taking bets. They're not taking unreasonable bets. Uh, they're investing in, in uh, the highest credit available, which are treasury bonds. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, with the increase in interest rates, the value of those bonds went down. Right. So basically in the fourth quarter, they had nearly a billion dollar loss in right. just just th- those so, investments. Yeah. So that's, that's a great basic explanation. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of people don't even think about what the banks right. do with the money when you... When, when I, I hand over my money and I say, put this in my bank account for me, please. And I think a lot of people just assume that money is just sitting there in a vault somewhere, right? Well, the irony... <laughs> uh, the waiting irony for me to withdraw that, it. The irony is that, yes, that is, it's, it's deposited, it's, it's investment, it, it's invested. And actually, when I started in the banking business about 40 years ago, the, the requirements on, on that, that leverage of that $1 was almost 15 times. So for every dollar that you put in, the bank could go out and lend that. And uh, that's how they make money, mm-hmm. by mortgages, uh, businesses, loaning money to businesses, car mm-hmm. loans, things of that nature, credit cards. And so, yes, that you that's exactly right. But the, the requirements now are about 10. So for every dollar, they're able to lend out 10. Mm-hmm. So the regulations have changed to make it a little bit more safer than it used to be. Okay, and you mentioned. Let me let me dig a little deeper into what you said about the decrease in value of the bonds. Mm-hmm. The bonds, um, 
were not worth as much to the banks. The banks invested in those bonds, hoping that they right. would that's, make that's some money. One. Make that's some money one. off those bonds. They're not making money. They're losing money, and actually, they're not. They don't have to. They're not going to lose money unless they have to redeem those bonds. Right. And right? why do they have to redeem? That's part. That's two. my next question. Yeah. Go ahead. That's part two. <laughs> so part two is, if I come back and I say I need my my money at the bank. Um, there's a certain amount of cash that the banks have available right. and they can, they can satisfy the normal operations, mm -hmm. the normal daily flow of people coming in saying, I need cash. Uh, I need to move money around. I need to pay my employees, for example, or, you know, they're spending the money that's in their account. So with, with the bad news of the financial report for uh, Silicon Valley Bank and the other banks that went out as well the last uh, 30 days, it's really been communication. So there was a run on the bank. So they could not satisfy. So if you're investing, let's say the, let's say the bank is investing for, let's say, a year with these U.S. Treasury, the best credit in the world, and then... A person says, well, that $1 that I asked you to hold for me, I need that back mm -hmm. in a shorter period than mm -hmm. a year, then that's where you're going to suffer the loss. So the yeah. bank has to sell that particular security to satisfy the request for the deposit. So when that person is saying, I need to spend this money, and that's what happened. That's yeah. exactly what happened and what we call tenor matching. So you want to have investments that have the same uh, liability as with the asset structure. So if you know that, you know, like with a mortgage, a person pays 30, um, you know, 30 years, for example, and you're going to invest longer term with those dollars. Whereas if it's a shorter term, let's say, you know, a person um, deposits money and maybe the bank loans it to a business and they only need it for a year, um, they've got to make sure that they're not extending more than a year. Mm-hmm. So that's what we call tenor matching. Okay. Um, so the other, so that's the that's part one and part two of the interest rate environment, as far as the bank was concerned with uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Now with Signature Bank, totally different, which was cryptocurrencies. Go ahead. And so Signature Bank was viewed in the whole cryptocurrency. Um, blockchain world as a way they were very receptive to cryptocurrencies more more so than other banks and as a result of the value of cryptocurrencies falling out um, also the situation with uh, FTX which was a uh, uh, cryptocurrency exchange mm -hmm. with uh, Sam uh, Bearman Freed, that uh, Bankman Freed, I'm sorry, Sam Bankman Freed, mm -hmm. who ran FTX and that fell out of bed at the end of last year. It was just a domino uh, factor. So, I mean, if you have just a few banks that are, let's say, dabbling or catering to the cryptocurrency um, uh, industry and you have a, a significant uh, downfall with FTX, which you're talking about billions of dollars. Um, that had an, a significant effect on the overall performance of the bank itself, Signature okay. Bank. 
So there are various issues that banks can can face that could cause serious problems. And I was talking to you before the show, mm-hmm. and I and you said you think that there's a good chance that uh, one or even more banks within the next twelve months could um, suffer similar problems. Um, it, would it be because of the same things, because of interest rates, because of cryptocurrency, or would it be something else? I think I think the interest rates would definitely be a factor because mm-hmm. that's really where banks, uh, besides lending money to make money, and then, of course, they have to have reserves, and they're looking for the best credit because a lot of them are restricted about you know what kinds of investments they make. They don't make investments necessarily in the stock market. They have to have something that's secure, stable and uh, something that you can count on. And mm-hmm. U.S. Treasuries are the best way yep. to do, the, you know, to, to achieve that. Uh, so okay. I don't think that we have seen the end of it. Okay. And I guess so, I just and I guess really is because it's come to the forefront. It's it's been exposed now. Um, several days of uh, hearings uh, on Congress this past week and. I think a lot of people are going to start to really look. I mean, I'm talking about the regulators. I'm not putting it on depositors. If depositors, they don't have the necessary wherewithal to say, okay, well, what is the financial condition of this bank? They're betting on the, they're, well, I should not betting, they're relying on mm-hmm. the FDIC sure. to ensure that those deposits are going to be there. And that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, you mentioned the FDIC. And you know the, the obvious question f- for somebody who doesn't know a whole lot about this is, well, I thought all these funds were insured by the government, and they are. Correct. Well, no, I said all the funds. Nope, they're not all, all insured. <laughs> Talk about the insurance that people right. can rely on, but can also get bitten by. Correct. So when I said all, in this situation with uh, Signature Bank and SVB, those, all of the deposits were right. insured. Above the two hundred fifty thousand FDIC insurance, so that's that, the limit that's in the one limit. account. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars in one account that yeah. that the government is willing to insure. They'll say if if this bank goes goes under, limit. Steve, yes. we'll, we'll take care of your two hundred fifty thousand dollars. If I have two hundred fifty one thousand right. dollars in there, that, that extra one thousand dollars is um, well, as a loss. Right? Let's let's talk. It's actually beneficiary. So actually. For an individual, and I think uh, the audience, you know, individual investors. So if you have a joint account, so you and Rachel have a account together, uh, it's actually 500000 So each beneficiary is insured to $250,000. So that one account could be $500,000. So anything above that would not be guaranteed. So what the bank did, or I should say the FDIC said was, okay, we, we understand that this is a significant impact over the economy altogether. Uh, SVB really catered to a lot of entrepreneurs, long you know, venture capital uh, recipients, um, healthcare technology companies that really are, you know, startups uh, and maturing uh, companies that, uh, you know, had significant amount of money left in the banks. And they're thinking, okay, well, you know, this is a safe bank. I think we understand the bank, but um, the government said, even though it is over $250,000 per that per account, uh, we're going to insure all that money, which I think is great, which has created another mm-hmm. issue. 
What's the other issue? Well, the other issue is about a $23 billion shortfall by the FDIC. So, I mean, they're yeah. asking, you know, the larger banks, yep. of course, to step in. But, you know, that has not been finalized. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's one, the, of the, one, of, one of the issues that are out there is that, hey, there is, there is a shortfall here. And there's a limit to how often and, and to what extent the FDIC Correct. can cover these kinds of losses. Correct. Um, yeah, because so, there's only so much. And then, of course, uh, if the FDIC is not able to cover it, then they go to Congress and ask for more money. And in turn, uh, the U.S. citizens have to pay for that. So if it covers 250000 per account, or actually could be 500000 mm-hmm. per uh, if I have two beneficiaries. Correct. Couldn't I just open up multiple accounts? Absolutely. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. We talk to clients about that all the time. And why it, wouldn't? And why? So why would I have? Over it's convenience. Two? Convenience is normally the the reason mm-hmm. why a person would say I want to keep more than two hundred fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. But there are also other mechanisms that it could be one stop shopping, uh, where all of the money. Let's say if you had uh, five million dollars and you wanted to make sure it was all FDIC insured. You know, we could, you know, make sure that that is, is covered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're looking at 40 different banks. Yeah. How much of this $250,000 cap is really an issue issue f- uh, for most people? Probably not an issue. Stephanie, so if you're Stephanie, bank- Stephanie's our engineer. I'll ask her, yeah. do you have $250,000? <laughs> do you have more than that in the bank? But here's the thing is that if it's a, let's say if it's a commercial business and they're running a payroll, they're paying um, inventory, you know, they're going to have a substantial amount of money in the bank. Okay. So, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's a little bit different on an individual standpoint, whereas with a business, it's totally different. Yeah. So it's, it's more of a commercial Correct. issue. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Which again has but, a ripple effect right, on the exactly. economy. Yes. And which which affects people right. like me and Stephanie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in turn, and yes, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So you, you mentioned something earlier that I want to ask a little bit more about, and that is, you said that people don't really have the financial wherewithal to find out how solid their banks are. Correct. Um, is there an easy way to find out? Is there something I should go to occasionally? Is there, is there a rating agency? Is there something that I can do? This to, there, I use U.S. Bank. Yes. So, so is there a way for me to find out if U.S. Bank is in good shape? You can go, well, indirectly it would be the FDIC. You go to, they have a website and they can tell you the condition of the bank. Mm-hmm. So FDIC.gov um, and, and you can look up your bank. So, but more than likely person is just saying, okay, I have this amount of money, and if it's under 250 I don't really worry about it because, you know, the government's going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And the FDIC was started in the 30s. I mean, that's why when mm-hmm. you had thousands of banks failing and there was a run on, on the banks trying to <clears throat> get, you know, customers are trying to get their money. Uh, the FDIC was formed. Okay, and that FDIC, FDIC stands for Federal Deposit Insurance Corp. Corporation. Is that right? Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. And they were absorbed. They absorbed the uh, Federal Savings Loan uh, Insurance Corporation (FSLIs). <laughs> yeah. Okay. Was, now we're getting yeah. in the weeds. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But there, during the savings loan crisis, 
um, that was that was a big issue. Okay. That was a big if, issue. If, if I do have a lot of cash, and, I, and I'm thinking, wow, this, all this news about the banking industry really worries me. I don't want my money, money in a bank. Is there an option for me? Yeah. There, it's multiple banks. Um, we have a service that will allow you to have, let's say, that $5 million, and we can disperse that until it's all insured. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So there, there's a way to do it, and, uh, and it's more than just having to drive up to you know, 40 different banks to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you have clients with this with with these issues? A few clients, uh-huh. yes, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and they're business related. Okay, yeah, yeah, business, yeah. yeah. And and what are you telling them right now? I would say that as long as you really don't have anything to worry about, if uh, you know, if you have more than the two hundred and fifty, let's look at something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, let's look at another bank. Okay. To get the insurance. Okay. Um, uh, Eventually today we're going to get to the investment tip of the month. I hope you have one for us. I do. I have you... several. I'm just oh, thinking okay. about you know so many that I get. I have some written down here, but right. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick You're with what to I have one. written down. And st- All right. But be, I mean, before... I could, I, an investment tip would be so. also the FDIC. I mean, it's just making sure that you're you're covered because a lot mm-hmm. of people may not be. Mm-hmm. And there's ways of doing that, but okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay. Well, before we get to that, I, I <laughs> yeah. wanted to explore what I think is the flip coin of this for investors. So as an investor, I'm looking at the failures in the banking industry, thinking this is causing concerns in the economy. Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, so not only do I have money in a bank that I need to make sure is properly insured, um, and I don't... I want, I want to make sure that it's allocated properly. I want a good, solid bank. But I also, as an investor, I'm looking at the possibility of having stock, owning Correct. stock in various bank companies like Citicorp. And yeah. you mentioned a few others. Um, what's, what's the, how's all this affecting the, the banking industry stock? Well, we saw a little bit of a downturn with uh, the regional banks because that's really where this issue was. And we're seeing a little bit more recovery with the regional banks, which I think is good. I, the whole issue with this crisis right now is just the stability and certainty of the infrastructure and the financial services industry. So people want to be able to they want to know that if I write a check, that money's going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, or if I use a debit card, that money's going to be there. And if there's any question, if I can't get my money, then that's going to be an issue. And that's really what, that's one of the reasons why the FDIC decided that they were going to cover these deposits above the $250,000 level. Mm-hmm. Because they were afraid that there would be other runs on other uh, banks and they have to show that there is the stability in the uh, banking industry in the United States. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so what percentage of someone's stock portfolio right now do you think should be allocated to uh, banking industry? I think 10% of any industry is probably um, a, a good place to be. 
Um, I don't because we really specialize in diversified portfolios. Right. So you're going to get that with, let's say, a exchange traded fund or a mutual fund that specializes in regional banks. Um, there's uh, and you know, and then there's subsets of that in terms of banking altogether. Uh, the fintech uh, is is another. It's a offshoot of um, of the banking industry, which but it's also the way people exchange goods. I mean, money for goods, and that's one of the reasons why I think that this is a great topic to talk about, and why it's important that we have a strong banking system in place. Okay, so should I be buying, selling, or holding my bank or financial stocks? Right I would now? I would be neutral right mm-hmm. now because I don't think that we really have seen the end of it. Okay, and I just you know point to the situation in you know two thousand eight. Um, with you know Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, and you know there was a big gap in time before you know we really saw the uh, fallout. Okay. But totally different situation because you know we're looking at the the housing and mortgage right uh, yeah industry, but this is totally different mm-hmm. at this point. So there may be other um, you know uh, other items that may come come to bear. Okay. Yeah. Um, you said ten percent would be a Yes. A good guideline. Yes. What if, so if I, so if right now I'm at like 15% and I decide I want to follow Gregory's advice mm-hmm. and lower that to 10%, what do you think I should be doing with that other 5%? Well, and maybe that kind of leads into our, your next investment tip. Well, that's not really the next investment <laughs> tip, to tell you the truth. I, so right now, I think there are other – the reason why I said I'm neutral with uh, financial services is because I think there are other areas that are, are – great right now. I think that energy is is great. I also believe because tech got beat up so badly last year that this is a, a great recovery year and there's some opportunities. So that extra 5% could be allocated <clears throat> to technology, for example. Yeah. And, and I see that the NASDAQ, uh, the tech heavy NASDAQ is mm-hmm. up, what, 17% this, so Correct. far this year? Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. That's, that's good. Um, so let's. So I've given you time now to choose <laughs> one of your other great investment tips. If if, if, well, if you is, want all this, of them, you're going to have to call I Gregory. Know, I know this is yeah. <laughs> this this one is really more along the lines of just planning per se, opposed to an investment tip. And this really has to do with uh, tax planning. And as individuals or businesses are looking at their, uh, you know, preparing their taxes, working with their CPAs right now, tax planning is really a great way to minimize your taxes. And unfortunately, if you're thinking about lowering your taxable income for 2022, when we're sitting in 2023, that it's really somewhat limited in terms of what you can do. Maybe a contribution to an IRA, a retirement plan would uh, allow you to lower your taxable income. But tax planning is really the the tip is is what I want to offer. And that's working with a professional that will not only look, I mean, prepare your your returns for you, but also just um, it would it would also um, provide you with your ongoing mm-hmm. liability. Yeah, and so, anticipate 
right. anticipate and, yeah. some issues. Yes, and absolutely. Say, here's where you're exposed, and yep. Absolutely. And so it's trying to minimize your, um, your tax liability by maximizing your um, deductions for a business. Uh, it could be charitable contributions for an individual. There, you may have some limitations there. But normally, contributing to a retirement plan is probably going to be your best way to lower your taxable income. And uh, particularly with a 401k or with a retirement plan, uh, that would come right off the top. Um, and then the other thing would be any kind of tax advantaged investments like oil and gas investments as well as uh, conservation easements would be another way to uh, leverage your, your tax advantaged investments. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I was saying is that because, you know, this is April 1st, and we're in the throes of preparing taxes right now. Tax planning is a year-round activity. It's it's not just at the end of the year. Nope, it's that's not, what I was going to ask you not, when, we, when yeah, we should start this. Yeah, and you're saying now. Now is the time <laughs> okay. because you're looking and you're if you're writing a check and you're saying, oh, this is you know what can I do to lower my taxes? It's tax planning mm -hmm. throughout the year. Okay, good tip. Well. It's been a great episode of Grand Turbo Money Cast, and I learned a lot about the banking industry that I didn't know before. So thanks for that, Gregory. All right. Thank you. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Gregory. Thank you very much, Steve and Stephanie. Thank you, as always. If great anybody job. Needs, if anybody needs more information, please go to GrandersonWealth.com and contact Gregory anytime. Right, Gregory? That's correct. Thank you very much, Steve. Okay. Have a great day. You've been listening to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where we discuss some of the most important investment issues affecting your portfolio. Check back regularly for future editions of Grand Turbo MoneyCast. And for more information, go to GrandersonWealth.com. Have a good day and a grand portfolio.